All right, everybody, don't drop that fast forward button. The sponsorship roll call is about to begin. Energy Consulting Limited provides complete project management and general contracting services to a variety of private sector clients on both commercial and residential construction projects. They act as the owner's representatives through the planning, design, budgeting, scheduling, construction, and occupancy processes. Clients appreciate their open, honest, and flexible approach to achieving their project goals. Although they are located in Surrey, BC, Energy works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. They are a multifaceted organization that services domestic and international clients with their mortgage banking needs. Complex financing solutions require analytical thinking well beyond a typical mortgage broker relationship. As a result, they focus on providing engineered solutions for their client. Their key differentiation strategy is that they assist clients in actively managing the capital stack in order to minimize borrowing costs while maximizing flexibility. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. Ascentia CPA has a team of new-gen chartered professional accountants that are dedicated to advancing companies using expertise combined with emerging technologies. The team at Ascentia will implement the latest accounting technologies, allowing you to not only run a business, but to run a smart business that will excel in your industry. Their focus is to provide growth-centric, value-added, and timely accounting services for businesses, as well as individuals across Canada. Unlike standard accounting firms, by embracing cloud-based software, the team at Ascentia will provide you with real-time accounting information on a secure platform that is accessible anywhere at any time, allowing you to make better informed decisions and gain more controlled overview of your financial data. The reliability and expertise you'll experience with the professionals at Ascentia will assist you in the preparation of corporate and personal tax returns, financial statements, bookkeeping, government filings, tax and estate planning, as well as business advisory services. For more information on the advantages of online accounting and to book a complimentary meeting online, be sure to visit ascentiacpa.ca. We are I. We are sitting at Island Cafe, Cafe, or is it Island Bistro? No, I think it's a cafe. Island Cafe here in White Rock with Oksana. 
we're sitting down here talking about this. We're going to cover the whole story, kind of like A to B, Roxanne, and get into the whole like nitty-gritty of who she is, why Yoga Bar, and um, everything to do with Roxanne and her presence in the White Rock community. Um, as most people know, they've seen the video that I was in um, in relationship to the Yoga Bar, and we'll kind of cover a little bit how I got into that as well and how random that was in life's series of events. Uh, but welcome, Oksana. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. So first of all, um, like, who are you? What's going on? Let me say, like, like, what landed you in White Rock? Obviously, you have a Jamaican accent, so kind of, like, explain that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's Russian. <laughs> um so I, yes, it's actually a good question. How did I end up in Canada? Um, I was in Russia. I was at the university and uh, I was doing my, I was going to law school. And um, so many years ago, by then I met my husband who was Canadian. And uh, so I pretty much uh, left everything, finished university, got my law degree. And I moved with one, uh, no, actually back then there was a two, two suitcases allowed to bring to Canada. So I brought two suitcases and I moved to Canada. And that's pretty much how I knew. Uh, that's how I guess White Rock welcomed me. So it was two suitcases on June 17th in 2003. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So let's peel it back a little bit because there's been people on WRI from multiple different corners of the world, but we have yet to experience Russia. So what's Russia like growing up as a child? Is it like the typical stereotype of what everybody thinks? Russia is like just extremely suppressed, you know, third world kind of conditions, you know, like heavy dictatorship rule from Putin, who's now recently um, appointed himself to 2036 as president, I believe. Yeah. So I uh, kind of give us a little bit of that narrative. Like, what's it like as a child growing up in maybe communist Russia? Uh, well, I was one of those child who grew up, you know, during the communism time and during democracy when that's just kind of entered into the country. Um, you know, the interesting thing when I got to Canada, I remember I always had a, like nice clothes, which looked different. And a lot of people ask me, like, where did you get this clothes? And I go, well, brother's from Russia. And they kind of looked at me and they say, oh, Russia has a, such a nice clothes. Yeah. So um, I was like, what do you guys really like being told about Russia? Right. Nothing good. <laughs> I'll tell you that, ever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I look back in my childhood and I am very, very grateful and very thankful for what that country gave me. Mental strength, um, foundation, and um, just being really, really devoted to no matter what you do. Uh, you know, we grew up during communism. I mean, you know, it's all about perception. It's all how you look at the things. You know, I can say, oh, you know, we didn't have this, we didn't have this. But actually, you know, we had a lot of freedom. In my childhood, I had a lot of freedom. Everything was free. Lunches at school were free. Oh. Uh, every single uh, sports was free. So one day, if I want to go play tennis, I'll take a te tennis lesson. If second day I wanted to go and do gymnastics, I'll take a gymnastics. And uh, so, you know, but I ended up playing uh, basketball on the, in the high school team. I was very active. Um, it was fun growing up, you know. Um, summer we spent a lot with at my grandparents' house and their farm and you know when you stay like I look back now and I remember all those days you know when your knees are skinned and you bruised and you like hungry all the time and you're always outside like those days were awesome and I think it's a little bit of my fault that I go back to that childhood and I always tell my boys about it my kids I'm like hey I didn't grow up you know like sitting at home playing on a computer I'm like why don't you do this but then I'm like well it's not really fair to them right because that was many years ago so but I 
I love growing up there. Um, going now, I took my kids a couple times. Uh, we actually traveled all the way from one side to another side on a train for three days. I uh, showed them a lot of, of Russia. Uh, my kids loved it. The food is great. It's expensive, though. Like, it's really expensive. So if I want to go on a vacation, I will take them to Hawaii rather than taking them back to Russia. So it's really? quite expensive, yeah. What yeah. makes it so expensive to travel to Russia? Uh, like, why is tourism in Russia so expensive? I think the lifestyle or the food, and I'm actually not quite sure. Yeah. So maybe because American dollar is high compared to Russian uh, money. And um, yeah, so I'm not quite sure, but it's quite expensive. Like if you go to local store for the groceries, you know, you can probably, I'll, I'll spend less money here on a more quality food than it will be there. Oh, yeah. See, I would have never assumed that. Uh, so, so uh, go ahead. Like, especially Moscow, right? Very expensive. So, but I do have a dream to take him back to Saint Petersburg, yeah. which is stunning. Like, I traveled in so many different places all over the world. I've seen museums. I've been in Europe, but there's nothing can compare to Saint Petersburg. The culture and architecture. Yeah. It's it's blown it's blowing your mind away like it really does. And was it like at one point in time like St. Petersburg was pretty much completely demolished, wasn't it? Like during the Well, war. it wasn't completely demolished. So it was during communism, right? They were yeah. burning churches and uh but you know they uh later they tried to restore everything that they could and they did, they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where in Russia were you kind of born and raised? Did you guys stay in like one place or did you move around the country like Give us a little geographical location there. Yeah, we did move around the country a lot. You know, it's the country was 11 time zones, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I was born close to the mountains. And then my parents went up north because my dad was um, working for oil company. So we went up north. And that was really hard, I remember, because we had a winter for 10 months out of year. <laughs> See, now that's the Russia we know, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it was cold. Yeah. Now talk about the military presence <laughs> and, like, the ration food, and then we'll have the stereotype. Uh, so, and uh, then after, so at seven years old, we moved back where it was kind of like um, Saskatchewan flat and four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I pretty much grew up there. But then when I moved to Canada, my parents actually moved to Black Sea. So every time I went to visit them, so we were lucky to enjoy the Black Sea. Okay. So. so when you were at any point in time, like, because, like, again, like, our narrative is that, like, you're living here. There's, like, this heavy military presence, you know, like, it's just, like, do you feel any of that when you were growing up? Or do you, because like, you mentioned, mentioned this, like, kind of, like, intense sense of freedom. Like, when you wanted to do something, it was there. Like, you had all this opportunity available to you, which is not the Russia that gets painted to us in the West at all you know like when we're going to school and learning about russia and learning about all these countries like is there any sense of like suppression or like like communism or like dictatorship rule or anything like that or do are you were you too young to tell or do your parents tell you stories or do you connect with that now that you're a little bit more of an adult or is it just really authentically not like that at all growing up in russia you know what it's um i didn't feel that when i was growing up i really didn't feel we were just so spirit free right we wanted to, we were doing whatever we wanted to do um one thing i remember um like my mom she's very religious person you know she likes to go to church and during communism you're not allowed really to go to church so i remember and she was one of those um people where she was a part of the communism party and she was paying a membership, like most of the people, you know, you're supposed to have those good qualities 
to be to become a member. So she was one of them, and she wanted to baptize me, and uh, she couldn't baptize me because she was the membership of this communist party. So I remember she secretly um, took herself. Well, she stopped paying a membership for the communist party. So she decided that she's going to exit. And then she secretly brought me to a house. And I remember, um, so in Russian old houses, so outside of the windows, there is a um, wooden windows that actually cover the glass. Oh, bars. the shutters, yeah. Shutters. So I remember there was a priest in the house. And so she brought me in and they closed all the windows and he actually baptized me. So I was baptized like that. And I couldn't understand why people were so cautious about, you know, closing the windows and curtains and nobody sees them, right? So, of course, you know, I never asked anything. I just trusted my mom, right? And the funny part, my dad is not religious and he never attended the baptized ceremony. <laughs> so it was just like me, me and my mom and the priest. Um, and then when everything was done, she went back to her job. And because all membership were purchased, I guess, from the place where they were working at. So she signed up back for her membership. And, you know, years later, she explained it to me. She said, if somebody will find out that she baptized me, that they will kick her out. So she kind of was very cautious about it. So she took herself out first, baptized me, and then she went back in. I wonder if she was scared to exit that. Because, like, again, but maybe this is just my Western influence on how I perceive Russia and, and everything that was happening in Russia at that time. That, you know, like, we're thinking that... It's like a total tyranny, you know, like if you exit the Communist Party, they're basically throwing you out of windows. Because like, again, like that's all we see is like, oh, Putin's throwing more journalists out the window <laughs> today. Like that's our narrative of Russia. Like, did, did she ever explain that she was scared to exit like the Communist Party to be able to baptize you? Or was it just like this was a moral dilemma for her? She couldn't live in both of those lanes. I think it was probably the fear to be different and not to be in the box because, you know, communism is pretty much like everybody, you know, they want us to be the same, right? They wanted us to be in the box. They wanted us to uh, be with limitations. You know, there wasn't, wasn't really a full potential, I guess. You know, they wanted us, you know, certain time for work and, you know, family. You have your kids. You live with the family no matter right. I think it's just a maybe fear of outside judgment. Yeah. And she was working for communism party, so which was oh. very high a high position job so a uh, job so i think she was just you know a little bit afraid that she might get probably or she might lose the job yeah so. interesting so then fast forward all of that to like then when you get into like school like what's school like in russia so you've obviously explained like extracurricular activities like i want to cover that in a minute too like what you think of the, you growing up having that freedom for extracurricular activities and like now the mounting costs for like if your child wants to play hockey or two or three thousand dollars a year, if they want, you know, like volleyball, like all these things are so expensive. But what was it like for you, like school wise, compared to the education education system that we have here? Um, compared to education system here, um, you know, we grew up on our own. Like I compare how the kids are growing. You know, we drive them to school. Oh, I remember when I was little. You know, we, we watch all these American movies, and we're like, wow, they also reach. You know, they driving their kids to school. But then I'm like, oh, wait, you know, uh, most of the places school is like 30, 30 minutes away from the home, right? So where it was thus, it was two minutes walk. Yeah. So uh, my parents actually never owned a car until I was, I think, 15. So there was absolutely no way my dad is going to drive me to school. Yeah. You know, it's like, go walk. It's two minutes walk, right? So, um, Which probably helped build a lot of your independence. Exactly. Right? We were, like I said, we were growing up on our own. Parents were working. We will come home from school. We will do homework and we will do some house chores. And then, you know, you'll go buy every day. We'll go buy, buy bread and milk. 
so it will come back home and um you know and then you just kind of watch the movie and then you go to bed so but um it was a lot of fun because you know i was i was very fast learner at school i was always you know up for anything i was one of those best students you know hard working students um we we didn't um you know it was just a like my parents my mom she was involved with school and helping a lot my dad was because we were two girls you know my me and my sister so dad was kind of on the background but my mom she was always involved with the school but we were just always on our own you know like doing whatever we wanted to do like i played basketball and my parents never came and watched me playing basketball <laughs> you know and we took a bus to go to the games and you know like i remember we lost every single game like we sucked <laughs> we suck. and the girls basketball is very aggressive like before we actually play every single game they will come and check how long our nails are so making oh. sure we're not scratching each other <laughs> see now that's the russia we know right there now see i knew there was a little bit there's of a little bit of that okay. yeah. you know i can tell you a little bit more about you know lines up yeah. during communism time and stuff like that especially like when you know uh covid-19 came here and um everybody was purchasing you know toilet paper and buying everything off the shelves right that brought in a lot of memories to me and um it was like what are you guys doing like you guys not going to starve but that's how we grew up you know we grew up with shelves being empty we grew up with no having any access to anything that you know people have right now and um so when i was watching people getting a lineup and buying all these things and filling up their pantry i just my mind just couldn't understand that it was i was like you know we grew up like that we made it yeah. so and you know we turned out really well and that was normal yeah and you know people just so i think it's just a lot of fear and we didn't grow up in fear it was it was you know maybe i don't know maybe my parents did <laughs> but it's the bubble though that we live in here like you know and it really goes to show like as soon as the perception of our bubble changes a little bit how the wheels completely come off the bus but like yeah. i said like that's just not common to russia there's a lot of other countries in the world and probably the vast majority of the countries in the world like there is food scarcity like there there is lining up at a grocery store there is like that that sense but we they, we those people don't perceive it to be the same way you know because the one thing that i've noticed as you've been talking there's been zero sense of fear or missed opportunity or like sadness like depression like all those kind of things and but on the flip side is everything that you've talked about are all the staples of a healthy mind that like what we know now like mm-hmm. you were you were challenged as a as a child you know like you you didn't have helicopter parenting like you guys as like a little army of like children learned conflict resolution and you learned yes. you know like risk management and you learned life skills and you learned all yes. of these things which we don't offer any of those to our children exactly. these days exactly exactly yes like you know sometimes i look at my kids and i'm thinking wow guys you're so dysfunctional <laughs> but it's true though and it, and it's you know it's kind of sad though like it's really sad because um how else they're going to learn you know about skills how else they're going to learn about making decisions on their own right it's um yes But I think so, we've seen that right now with this COVID-19 thing is where when people's wheels came off the bus is because they have no skills to fall back on. Their skills are going to a grocery store to be able to go to fully stocked shelves and buying something and coming back home to their comfortable house. That's the majority of people's skills today. Yes. Like but when you look at it you're just like, okay, well if I go into a grocery store and it's half empty, that was like the first 20 years of my life. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. like there's really like you you have skills that supersede 
the perfection, yeah. which most people don't these days. And like how you build that in this world, I don't, nobody knows yet. Yeah. And that's why, like I say, you know, I'm really grateful for what Russia gave me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it built a lot of character. It put a lot of strong foundation. And that's kind of what I dwell on. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Why are people, okay, hold on. My stereotype of Russians, how and why are Russians perceived to be intensely patriotic? I think it's a show off. Yeah? (laughs) I really think it's a show off because, you know, um, everybody wants to go to America. Yeah. Everybody. Well, first of all, you know, um, they think the Canada and America is the same country. Yeah. (laughs) But our patriotism here is so transient. Like, we're patriotic when something kind of needs to be like what you see it in sports too. you're going to cheer for your team if they make the playoffs you know you're going to band together if 9-11 happens or you know like maybe COVID-19 for two or three days you know but like but people in like Russia it's like if you talk shit about Russia you're worried you're like oh my god you know like you're like the KGB is coming again you're like all the Russian people are just gonna pounce on you because it's like that's the sense that we get here of like what Russians are like just this super intense but I think it's just because you guys been told that for so many years. You know, I remember my uh, right now it's my ex-husband. He was telling me stories that, you know, they were threatened at school that the Russian people are coming and they had to practice those drills where they go under the table. Yeah, and, hide like, under the desk. Yeah, hide under yeah. the desk. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, come on. I'm like, Russia cannot even rule your own country. Like, they're not going to come after yeah. you. You, know? you guys were going to bomb us with <laughs> nuclear bombs for like 15 <sighs> years. Like, seriously, everybody knows that. There's commercials and like info sheets and posters like everywhere. Yeah, I don't know about that part. Russia. I think it's like, seriously, you know, it's like there's so many uh, people in Russia and they all have their own opinion and the country is actually like a disaster itself. So there's absolutely no way they're going to come after you guys. I just don't <laughs> see that happening. Tell that to Canadians <laughs> and Americans because there's nobody that would believe you. Uh, it's like, well, you okay. look at like all these, like the American, like that usually like there's sleeper cells of Russian secret agents around. They're <laughs> stealing our information and wait, spying on us and waiting just to, for the Russian invasion to come. Like the Red Army's coming to get us. And yeah, I don't, I don't know about that part. I think it's just all media. I think you know, um, we just all been told what they want us to believe in, and yeah. I think you know, it's really totally our choice to make the decision. You know what we want to believe in and of course traveling and have your own experience is probably the best way right to understand what's true but not what's not right so so let me ask the flip side of that then is what is the the narrative in russia when you were growing up of canada and the united states because obviously we're one country so like (laughs) what was the percent what was like the narrative to us or did russian people even really care about canada and the united states or do do we just want you guys to care um it was always kind of like, you know, if I had an opportunity, I will move to America, but I'm so happy here. Mm-hmm. That's very common, you know, but in the back of the head is like, yeah, of course, I want a better future for my children. You know, if I had an opportunity, I'll go, mm-hmm. I'll go. But it's, you know, um, having that opportunity is is, uh, is like a winning a lottery. So mm-hmm. it's not really that easy. Right. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, really scared to try because, you know, growing up in communism, you are in the box. And if you're a little bit different, then you don't belong. Yeah. So, and you want to belong, right? You want to be like everybody else who want to belong. So, um, although, you know, I never belong. I never belong to anything. I always did my own stuff. I 
yeah, I was, I mean, I was a good, good child, but, um, my parents told me I should be doing this. I said, absolutely not. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, it's, it's just uh, always kind of doing whatever I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I think um, that will be probably the biggest one. You know, they all in the back of the head. They want to be here, but because of their fear and there's no beliefs in themselves and their own potential, yeah. they're scared to try. So they they happy with what they have there. So no, like commercials on TV and posters in the streets about how America's coming to bomb Russia and take it over and making a satellite United States and. No, I I don't remember that. Never. I never remember that. You know, in fact, I uh, I remember when U.S. placed all these sanctions against Russia for um, food and uh, import of produce and stuff like that. I remember I was talking to my friend from Russia and I'm like, how are you guys doing? Like, are your stores empty? And she's like, absolutely not. She goes, we're so happy that all this been in place right now because now we actually helping our own businesses to goes you know to get stronger and we actually buying our own produce and we're supporting our local farmers yeah and i'm like oh because you know here i'm here right now i hear all these things that oh you know they're not getting this they're not getting that and then you know i have this opinion of my friend she's like no absolutely not our our um shelves are still full of food and it's actually better than it's ever been yeah See, which is the funny part about this, it's the same narrative of like what is going on inside Canada, the United States right now about bringing all of our manufacturing like back to and like all of our industry back to um, North America so that we're not so reliant on other countries because that's what builds the wealth of your nation, which is exactly what your friend was outlining, you know, back in Russia. Yeah. And, you know, I think what I admire Russian people for, they find happiness in the darkness. Like it's no matter what. But they will still smile and they will still, they, will, they have a lot of resilience yeah. for uh, negativity or stuff like that. And um, they know how to survive within discomfort. Mm-hmm. So they will make it happen. Like they can make uh, a beautiful cake out of nothing. Do you think that's a necessity of life? Because like the sanitized environment that we live in in North America doesn't, doesn't create that necessity, doesn't create that resiliency. And most people have no capacity to be able to find the silver lining in situations. But when you're born in adverse conditions or the one thing that I've also recognized is children who are left in having their own autonomy over their lives and not helicopter parenting or people who've been through enough life experience that they can find those silver linings. But like, that's essentially kind of what you're talking about right now. But like, we don't ever offer that opportunity to anybody anymore. And again, you see that with, with the, with what's happening right now is that as soon as people are met with this situation, most people just completely shut down. And like, when I talk to people that I know that are extremely athletic, you know, I'm like, well, what did you do for the last couple months? And they're like, I stopped working out entirely. I'm like, well, why? And they're just like, well, I can go to the gym. And I'm I'm like, but you guys are some of like the pioneers, like even that environment where like, you guys are the leadership of this movement. And because that one environment got taken away, that completely even shut you down. How do you expect anybody else to be resilient? And that's such a minor example of like everything that's going on. But that's us here. Like we have no innovation to our own thought. We have no innovation to our own lives. Like we are so stuck like inside of like this bubble or this different box, but this box doesn't offer the tools of like what your guys' box did growing up. Well, there's a lot of comfort. Like in, you know, the place where we are right now, there's a lot of comfort. And um, and when there's a comfort, there's no growth, right? So 
And uh, when you've been taking outside of your comfortable zone and you don't have a tools, what do you do? You run away and you hide, right? So because you just don't have tools, how to navigate through the discomfort, right? And I've seen a lot of that this, this situation as well, you know, where people are so dwell on fear and they hide away and they scare to come out. And, uh, and you know, I always tell them, like, you can't control this, but, you know, why don't you focus on the things you can control? You know, wash your hands, exercise, sleep, eat healthy, right? Those are the important things. Day, every single day life. Like, it's not even during COVID-19. Like, yeah. this is important things. So, you know, if that becomes your everyday life, then, you know, then you could, right? Do and focus on the things you can control. And, um, you know, and I think when people taking outside of their comfortable zone, because they created so many pathways and habits in their mind, they don't know, you know, they used to go to the right, to the right, to the right. Now, the force is pushing them to go to the left, but there's not enough tools to go to the left. So what they do, they just shut down. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, we, like, I think it just comes with the awareness. When you have over awareness, I think you should be able to make that shift and, and, you know, and just work on it very, very hard, just like you're working anything else on anything else. So that constant awareness. Do you think that you, because you have those tools, you seek out environments to use them? Okay, I'll tell you what. Um, whenever I get really comfortable, I purposely make a big, big change because um, there's no growth. And um, if I didn't do anything today what makes me a better person than I was yesterday, I feel like my day was wasted. Mm-hmm. If I didn't live my day to the fullest and if I didn't give all of my best to other people, if I didn't serve, I feel like I just wasted my day. Mm-hmm. So I, I do purposely take myself out of comfortable zone so I can grow. Mm-hmm. I, I crave for that. Yeah. Because like this is something I've been paying attention to like a lot in life about the last five years is that what's the difference between people who seek out these environments where you're challenged and, you know, like, like whether or not that's like working out hard, starting a business, running and also like all these situations that people perceive to be like extremely hard and challenging versus the people who just want to coast. Because, you know, kind of like when we get to like that point, if you're not one of the people who just wants to coast, there's clearly something wrong with you. You know, like that's like how our world here is perceived. Like you're doing too much. You're burning yourself out. Like you just need to relax. You need some downtime. Like, you know, you should just accept who you are. Like all of these different things. Right. But then I realized there's this whole other class of people who just wake up every day with a hunger and a thirst for that. And it seems like you're one of those people and it just it's so natural when you talk about it, you know, it's a part of you and you're not doing it to punish yourself. You're not doing it to like, you know, because you're running from these demons, you're not doing it for any of these reasons. It's just a muscle you're flexing or tools that you're using because you realize the value of continuing to use that, you know, like, do you see, do you see that in life right now? Like, do you, do you see? The I differences do. In those I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think the most people problem is that, um, they don't know their strength and they don't recognize the weaknesses or they might recognize weaknesses and then they start beating themselves up for that. Oh, you know, I can do this. I can do that. So you need to really know your strength. And when you know what your strengths are, that's what will bring you to your passion, you know? And when you know the passion, then you know which way to choose and which way you want to go. Right. So when you dwell on passion, that's when things happening right for you. So, but a lot of people dwelling on weaknesses and when we go to school, when we send our kids to school, it's sad, you know, we, we should be teaching them how to do a problem solving 
we shall be teaching them, you know, about themselves, who they are, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? You know, how can we help you to build those weaknesses a little bit closer so maybe we make it a balance, we balance it out and we dwell on your strengths, right? Rather than opposite, right? And then if the kid has too many weaknesses, well, you know, he's not like everybody else. You know, he's not good at math, like, like you know, this guy or this girl. And then that's where conflict becomes, I believe. So with us, you know, you need to recognize what your strength is and uh, work on your weaknesses every day. And when you, you know, even if they're still unbalanced, you know, at least you know where you like, you know, you know what your goals are. It will help you to set your goals. It will help you to uh, follow your passion. And um, when you when you have that, it's just, you know, um, you keep it balanced. And, you know, I still wake up hungry for the day. I want to go and serve. I want to go and teach. You know, I want to see those happy, smiling faces when they leave my class. And like, oh, my gosh, that was so good. But, you know, in the end of the day, I still come home and I practice self-love. You know, I, this morning I took a class, I took my dog for a walk. I did things that I like to do. So, you know, I spend time with my children. I do things that I like. So I always keep it balanced because you can't just always give, give, give. You need to be able to receive. So when, you know, when you talk about people like, oh, slow down, you know, like take a time for yourself. Yes. But, and you know, these people, they have to recognize that it's up to them to have that balance, you know, so... Yeah. And it's, you know, like, I think it's one of those things too, like where a lot of people, when they're looking at it, that, um, from like a, like a self-love or a self-care or connecting with who you are, it, there's a big part of our society here that makes you, once you get to be like the air quotes adult, that like, you should not be doing those things anymore. And I was actually having a conversation with one of my really good friends this morning, him and I went for a walk and we were talking, I'm like, I just like started skateboarding again with my oldest daughter, but she's riding her bike and I got a skateboard and you know, in our neighborhood, I'm practicing like my ollies, my ollie 180s, but all the other parents are like looking at me like, and I know they're like the judgment, I can feel it, but I love it. So I'm like, it doesn't need to be that. Like, just because there's four wheels on a piece of wood and you see teenagers doing this doesn't mean that like an adult can do this. Cause like, what's really the difference, but it, it makes me see that if, if you don't, if when we don't walk the mold, that anything outside that is something that you're doing to enjoy it where people feel guilt. And like when that guilt sets in, then it makes people inhibitive to wanting to do things that actually mean something to them, and especially when they have kids. They go, I have to focus on my kids. I have to prioritize my kids. It all becomes about them. Then we forget about ourselves. And that's when our wheels really come off the bus, right? But I feel like that's a big part of like when you're going up in Russia and you have that independence and you connect so much with what makes you happy. Like when you said you could try anything that you wanted, but kids here, it's like you go to school and you either have to pick like basketball, hockey, or soccer, if you don't do one of those things, then it's like, obviously you're not good at sports because there's clearly no other sports besides those three. And if you're not good at like math, then you're clearly not good at school. If you don't connect with these things, like you're clearly not good at any of this, right? You know, because there's just not the freedom to understand what's important to you and like what you connect with. Um, you know, and like, and you see that, but that's why I think it's so refreshing when I meet people like you as you guys, like how big that presence can be. And then when people like you take a leadership role in your community, then you have that influence on other people. And hopefully we start reconnecting back with these aspects of ourselves. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, as the human beings, we're always reaching for external things to fulfill us. But the whole work is really within. You have to focus on within. There's no other way. When you feel completed, are you staying dry? Yep. When you feel completed, um, 
there's nothing is going to bother you. Like, why this person's opinion is going to bother you? Like, I always, you know, I always remind myself uh, why this person's opinion is going to bother me. You know, even if I, if I needed advice from someone, will I go to that person for advice? No. Then why his or her opinion about me is going to bother me? And, you know, I also applied five. It's called uh, rule of five. You know, if it's, is it going to be important in five minutes? Is it going to be matter in five months? Is it going to be really important in five years? No, then I do not spend more than five minutes. So that's my rule of five. Um, but I think we all very scared to be judged. And, uh, you know, at some point you just um, know who you are, know that what you're doing, know your goals, know your dreams, know your passion, follow it, stay firm to your goals, stay firm to your vision, which is very, very important. Everything else is a background noise. You know, um, there's going to be a lot of people probably pointing at me and saying, oh, you know, she opened up the studio and she did this and then that. I, you know what? It's great. You know what? I fine. Everybody has their own opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still going to stick to my vision. And I know even if I make a change in a one person life, that it's already worth it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you jump on a skateboard, but just don't wear, don't forget to wear a helmet though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I regularly do. Unfortunately, but, um, so staying true to the vision. So like, let's, let's spin into this now of you got your law degree in uh, Russia <laughs> and then you come to Canada and you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, I only say that because I moved out to BC to get my helicopter pilot's license. I got my commercial helicopter pilot's license and I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it has been a really interesting journey. So, um, I use my law degree every day in my life though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I love going to university. I was in one of the very famous universities, biggest and oldest university in Russia. So, you know, you were sitting in a campus at the same desk where you had a lot of famous people sitting. So, um, it was, it was a great time, you know, six years of, um, having a lot of fun. The school was easy for me. So I loved it. It was, you know, I finished the criminal law school. So I watched every criminal movie i read every criminal book and which is you know kind of interesting because my oldest one he wants to go to criminal school as well so i'm like hmm, interesting um but it's you know the life just takes you to different places and um you can either fight against it or you can look for signs if this is the right way so for me every sign that i looked it gave me that um confidence that i'm on the right path so and signs are everywhere you just you just have to be aware you know so and so far where i am right now um probably at my fullest i ever been so what was it like coming uh to canada so you got two bags a law degree a guy that you may or may not have relatively just met um you end up in canada what happened from there oh i was excited I was really excited. So, by, so I was speaking five languages uh, and my English was not so good. So when I got here, I couldn't understand what people were saying. So it took me about six months to start answering the phone because I couldn't just, you know, I was able to read and write, but actually hear them what they were saying. So that was, and you know, but slowly, slowly, um, I made a lot of friends. We're still friends with some people, like some actually of them are uh, teachers at the studio right now amazing people like you know it's um it's a journey you learn everything from scratch you know you learn how to drive you learn how to cook you learn new ingredients right everything is so perfectly packaged and you know and ready for you right and then 
I remember my first Caesar salad. And <laughs> I remember my first Greek salad, you know, like learning. I remember I used to cook cook shrimp on the barbecue, which is already cooked. <laughs> but, you know, but this is all experience, right? So, um, you know, I remember uh, I was really surprised that there was the ice cream you buy from a freezer and it's not really frozen. It's still soft. You know, soft ice cream. I'm like, how is this even possible? Right? Salt right there. Yes. Exactly. Well, I didn't know, right? But it was like, <laughs> wow, this is cool, right? So there's a, you know, it was it was interesting curve. I learned a lot, and I think I was young. I was very ambitious. I was in love. I was very, you know, let's just go get it. Yeah. So kind of like that. your first job here? Uh, my first job here. Okay, I tried to do uh, pedicures and manicures, so that did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I only had one client and it took me like two hours. <laughs> so no, that did not go well. Um, You're like, then, I'm really a lawyer. I'm a really lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Being when I was, me. when I was working on her toes, so she got a phone call and uh, somebody said like, where are you? And she goes, I'm still, you know, like she's still working on my toes. Right. And I'm thinking, Oh, it's only been two hours. It's not that, you know, that long. Right. But I didn't realize back then I didn't have kids. So when you yeah. have kids, life changes, right. Like, to have two hours just for pedicure? There's absolutely no way I can afford that now. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, things change, right, when you have kids. So, um, I was just, you know, um, I got to Canada two years later. I got my first kid. And then two years later, I had my second boy. Um, you know, our dynamic, family dynamic was, you know, I was always kind of taking care, taking care of the house and the children. And then we were building a new home. And then I was helping a little bit here, a little bit there. So, I didn't really have a job that I was like wanted to do it or I was like a helping hand yeah. here and there. So we did run a uh, bed and breakfast business in White Rock. That was for five years, I believe. And, but I was already teaching. So, and um, yeah, that's, you know, I didn't really, I was kind of lay there and there trying to, you know, my, I think my main job was this being mom, yeah, being mom to two small children. So then it, you alluded to that you were already teaching, like what got you into a holistic lifestyle from like, so you two bags, you have your law degree, you, you come from Russia, like you try the manicures and pedicures, and then all of a sudden you, you're running a bed and breakfast, and then you end up in a holistic yoga lifestyle. Where does that come into play? Yeah, it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, yoga, you should try yoga, right? So, and I'm like, okay, sure, I'm going to go and take a yoga. So, and I remember there's Just Ladies Fitness on uh, 16th Avenue. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, one 152nd Street. So I'm going and I'm taking this yoga class and I think, oh my gosh, this is so boring. This is for old people. <laughs> that was my first yoga class. So I never went back, right? Yeah. So I stick to the gym, yeah. to the weights, you know, and I was doing all kind of like steps and cardio classes and all other stuff. Um, I was running a lot. So I done a lot of uh, half marathons and like running races. So I was a runner and I like that being out and I like that even running in a rain. So that was my favorite. Um, Let's hope so living here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and then um, I was in a car. So my first Bikram class that I took, my friend was telling me that she goes, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. So I walked to the studio. I did my first class and I'm like, oh, this is not a yoga. Like there's a lights are on, people are sweaty, it smells. And why did teacher like talks all the time, 90 minutes. And all she does is talk. Yeah. And she wasn't actually talking. She was barking. You know, like Bikram style, right? So I'm like, nah. So it took me about a year and a half to come back for my second class. 
but that was already I was uh, after car accident. So I was hit from the back, from behind, and I got a spine injury. So I had I had a concussion, and I had a nerve damage in my right arm. So and you know you you go to see chiropractors, you go to see a little bit of the uh, physio. It does help, but it's just it doesn't maintain it. Though you know your health does not stay the same. So you know having two small children, I wanted to go back to running. But I always had a problem with my hip and the lower back. So I decided I'm going to give it a second try. And that was it. So I was hooked. I was completely hooked. I was going uh, three times, four times a week, late at night when I put my kids to bed. I go take a class. I pretty much crawl in. After 90 minutes of the hot room, I crawl in in bed and I'll go sleep. And I noticed that, like, my sleep was so amazing. And right away, one month, like, I stopped having issues with my spine. I started stop having a problem with my uh, neck my nerve damage went away so it was like pretty much getting my body back where i was what changed at that first one like what, what was the difference between that one and the one that you took a year and a half before that well i think universe was telling me okay you didn't hear my message yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. let's hit you from yeah. the back yeah. you know, no let's injure your spine let's injure your you know yeah. let's give you a couple of concussions you know now maybe you can hear me right yeah. i actually look at it like that you know it was just uh i tried to skip it i tried to go different directions and it was just keep bringing me back yeah. where i where i needed it to be that's amazing it's and i really i really appreciate that you look at it like that because that's like my circle of people like no matter how atrocious something like maybe mm-hmm. it's always that like what's the thrust of this like where is this pushing me down and like what is the value in this and like what do i need to see so i like i really appreciate yeah. that you look at that it took the car accident to be able to thrust you into like what you should be doing with your life is what leads it in exactly right exactly it's you know it's uh, a lot of people ask the question oh why is this happening to me right and i look at it i always ask myself why this happens to me mm-hmm. Where is the lesson? What do I need to learn from here? And if I go a little bit deeper, you know, and I'm a very um, deep kind of searching, you know, for all reasons person. So I dig deep. I like digging deep. So, you know, after digging a little bit deep, I know the answers. And then I learn my lesson and I, you know, start vibrating a little bit higher and universe moves me to a better place all the time. So how long did it take you from... Um, taking these classes to wanting to like to become an instructor we'll start there like what was the time frame between like got in the car accident went back totally hooked three four days a week and now i'm going to get certified i loved it right away i wanted to teach but again like i was very scared i thought okay it's not my you know english is not my first language there's absolutely no way I can remember all this dialogue that they want us to remember right because become teacher you have to memorize dialogue line by line word by word um, there was a not enough confidence that I can do it, and but I always wanted it. It was always in the back of my head. I was saving money to go to training. Um, I was praying for you know uh, my mom and dad to come to Canada, and it's a it's a nine weeks intensive training. I had to be out of the house for traveling for for for, for nine weeks. So you know I needed it to have a strong base in the house where I knew that my children will be you know looked after. Yeah. So um, I set the goal. I moved my parents here to Canada. I uh, let them settle for a couple months, which was very short. <laughs> and in September 2015, so I left. Um, I left to Los Angeles for my training. So and that will be. So my first class was in 2010. 
So in 2015, I was going for training. Oh, wow. That, that's not long at all. What was it like for when your parents moved over? Was that a huge transition for them? Because I would imagine by that time they might have been in their 60s or so, maybe? Yes. Yeah, my, my parents moved here with one suitcase now because you had to pay for a second one. <laughs> uh, so 67. Yeah, with one suitcase each. Yeah, they pretty much left everything there. They just wanted to come and support me, and they wanted to be with the grandkids. They're amazing people. Absolutely amazing people. Everybody loves them. Um, they, You know, like this really Russian, where my dad, you will stop by, and he'll be like, would you like a tea? Would you like a meal? Would you like this? Would you like this? I'm like, just done. I'm good. I'm good. But, you know, he will give you everything. Like, that's how they're all. Um, so, yeah, they came here to help me, and, um, you know, it was hard. It was hard because... Mom, like she said, every time I open a fridge, I want to cook a meal for the kids. I don't recognize the packages. She goes, and I can't read them. She goes, I go, I have to go through every single package to find to find a sour cream. <laughs> so you know, but it's slowly, yeah. slowly. So they're here now. They're loving it. They're happy. They go to Russia every second year for uh, to visit. I have a sister there and her family, so they have a grand grandkids there. So, um, but you know, and they're doing yoga full time. So it's all good. Nice. <laughs> So then you go to LA, you come back, you're certified now. Did you work somewhere or did you just really want to jump right into owning your own studio? Oh, no, no, no. Um, that was a dream probably a couple of years. You know, you start getting that confidence, right? When you hear so many people coming to you and they like, thank you so much for making a, a better change in my life. And we are very self-judgmental, right? And we don't believe in what we can to do. Like our capability is limitless and but we are so afraid to believe in that and i'm like oh really like what difference do i make right and i doubt myself and they're like oh like you know uh you help me with this you help me with that and, and i'm like oh thank you very much right and then when you have so many people coming and telling you this you know you really your confidence goes up yeah. and you're like okay then then you know then you're doing something purpose purposeful way um something with the meanings and um so, you know, two years in training, uh, two years in teaching, I was thinking, well, you know what? I think I should just have my own studio. And I did I did pursue a couple um, opportunities. You know, I looked into buying some and, you know, building and this and that. So I was kind of going, you know, it was always in the back of my head. I always knew that this is where I need to be. Like at that point, there was absolutely no doubts. At that point, um, there was no fears. I knew that this is the, where I need to be. And what I did, instead of forcing that, I just allow things to happen. And everything that happened prior, you know, and I'm not just talking about, again, there were some things that, you know, shook me very hard, very, very hard. But again, it's how I look at it, you know. Yeah. it Did it shake me hard and, you know, they left me, you know, as a victim or they left me as a survivor? I look at it as a survivor, you know. Did this bring more strength to me? Yes, you know. And like I said, I just stayed very clear on my vision, on my focus, and I just, um, you know, everything was just a background noise. So, but it's been a long, long, many years dream came true. Yeah. So it, but it's about four years, right? So from when you got back from LA to when and why the yoga bar? Let's go there because like there's about four years in between that, right? So between when you got back from LA and you spent a couple of years building your confidence at Bikram, I believe, and then there's probably a couple of years there where you start fine tuning this thought process. You know that 
I want to have my own place. What does this look like? Do I buy an existing studio? Do I start my own thing? Um, because the yoga bar is a franchise, right? No, it's not. Right? It's not? No, it's not. Why do I think it was? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, it's not. It's all you. It's all me. Really? <laughs> well, I can't just take it all credit for me. It's a, mm. you know, there's a lot of, it's a teamwork. It's a teamwork. Yeah. So for sure. And I only see that because somebody had told me, they're like, oh, I was at Yoga Bar in LA. That's why I thought the funny Oh, thing maybe just the same name. Maybe the same name. That was yeah. why I correlated as a franchise. No, so. no, no, no. It's all, it's all us. So it's just, you know, whatever we were able to put together, we put it together. Yeah. Yeah. So how the Yoga Bar, like why, go through the name. Just to, everybody always knows who started a business. The name is the hardest part. So where does the Yoga Bar come from? What does it stand for? What's? You know what? I actually don't even know. Uh, maybe I'm going to be that one of those people who, it just came. Yeah. You know what? I had written down some options and I had them on my phone and I wrote them down a long time ago mm-hmm. and I just kept looking at them, kept looking at them. And then it was only two options. One was the yoga bar and uh, I don't even remember what it was another one. Yeah. And when, in, you know, time was right, I just knew it's going to be a yoga bar. And you know what I love about it is TYB. I actually really like that. Part. I actually like that too. It's just kind of happened, right? But you know, um, if you look at our logo, uh, well, I was struggling with our logo. Okay, we hired these people, and um, and I gave them all of my ideas because I had a, I had a very clear vision how I wanted this to be, and obviously, you know, guys somewhere in a, some I don't know in Iran, uh, I hired these people, you know, working online, so they didn't have my vision right when I have, so they couldn't really put that on paper. So I remember going, okay. Just breathe, right? Just breathe. Every time they send me something, I'm like, ready to pull my hair off. And I'm like, no, like, we're just wasting your time because I have this, uh, such a good vision, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a pen and I'm a horrible artist. Like, I'm really bad. So I take this, um, one of my youngest son journal from school, you know, that he left on the counter. So I, I took this journal and I found a clean piece of paper and I took a pen, pencil, and I just drew it. I drew it and uh, I took a photo. And I said, and I send it to them and I go, this, this is what I want. Just like, can you just do it on the computer, please? Yeah. And they send it to me next day. That was it. Boom. That was done. So the logo was done just because I put that in my head. You know, I had that in my head. I just yeah. transformed it into the paper and that's how it was born. And then interesting, you know, when I looked at the logo and it starts, if you look at from the left side, it starts with the heart. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's the water bottle right oh, here. Yeah, so it started with the heart. So I always tell people, get out of your head, live in your heart. If you live in your heart, if you make a decision from your heart, you will never, ever regret. Never. You know, a lot of people live in their head. A lot of people leave. A lot of people listening to their ego. Ego is a great thing. I love ego. But ego, can you be your worst enemy? So, you know, I always tell them, live in a heart. So if you look at here, you know, it starts living in a heart. Then that circle it's a comfortable zone. It's a comfort zone. You can grow in a comfort zone. So if you look at all this, you know, like a hands reaching out outside of the comfortable zone, they're asking for growth. Okay. Yeah. Huh. yeah so, and then if you look, there's just three words everywhere. Three letters, three words, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So number three is a very unique number, right? It's the number for um, union. It's the number for strength. It's a number for uh, feminine power. So I actually didn't realize that until I put that on paper. Yeah. So when I start, you know, like I said, I'm a dig deeper, deep, deep digger. You know, I like thinking, overthinking things. So, and I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And then if you look at the TYB, it's right in the center. Mm-hmm. It screams for balance. Yeah. So 
that's that's how our logo was born. Uh, white, the yoga bar, I don't know. It was just always there. And then, you know, we just had to bring in life. <laughs> so what thrusted you into like this? I mean, you're like, I, I got this. I'm going to do this. Like it's the yoga bar and opening up a location, like uh, just making that final step into that. Like what, what propelled you to be able to open up? Because that's the big step. Like that's the, the huge journey for everybody is saying like, like I have this burning passion, I have this burning idea, but like, oh, oh man, opening up my own studio is so scary. It's my boyfriend. Yeah. It's you know what the credit I gave him a credit because he always saw so much potential within me, and he said, "You're the best teacher ever. You're the best teacher ever. You need to have your own business. Like you need to have your own business." And and he gave me so much confidence. He gave me so much power, and. There was like no fears left completely, no doubts that you can ever do this. It was just, you know, he always said, you know, to me that that's how I see it. I just don't see it another way. So, and uh, that's kind of how it was born. It was just, you know, that strength from the people, you know, that you with, and then they push you a little bit. They give you that little push and then they give you a little confidence. And then you're like, okay, because I resisted. I, I resisted it a lot. I'm like, no. You know, this location, no, I don't really want to do this. And I resisted for six months. <laughs> so, and then um, one day I just knew it. Okay, like this is, you know, I got a lot of signs from universe and I knew I'm like, okay, like I need to stop really resist this and it just go with it. Yeah. So, and that's what happened. So, yeah, but I, I give him a lot of credit for that little push that, you know, saying, you know, how valuable my teaching is, what an amazing job I'm doing. And, you know, and I think probably from me, from uh, leaving some studios where I didn't feel like I was growing, I felt like every time I wanted to grow, I was stopped. And I don't function very well when there's a limitation. So I was leaving some studios, moving to different studios. And when you see that big shift, when you see all the people who loved you and they follow you and the old followers. Yeah. That gives you a lot of confidence. You're like, okay, then you doing something that people want to receive. Mm -hmm. So yes, that was the, probably the final step. Yeah. And when was that? That was uh, February this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, it all happened that fast. Uh, well, it started from last year, right? You know, you should be doing yeah. this. You should be doing this. And I'm like, nope, 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 no, nope, no. Nope. And then. Finally, I agreed, and on February 20th, 2020, which is, if you look at the days, again, numbers, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's 02 2020. Yeah. We got the key for, um, so when, you know, we took a possession of the yeah. place. So, and then, you know, we pushed really hard, and we're supposed to be open May 1st, and we took our time just because of, you know, everything was closed, so we took our time. And, uh, but we, yeah, we pushed really, really hard. So about, you know, 16 to 18 hours every day working there. So, so this is, this is a, a really important part of why I wanted to, um, to do this with you today is that you take this massive leap into the unknown. You're like, I'm going to open up my own business. And at the same time you make that leap, the world shuts down. What was that like at that moment? Like, did it phase you at all? Like, cause like really nobody has been through this and like you're, you're opening your business at the, or trying to build and open a business at the same time that we're shutting the world down and nobody knows anything. If any businesses are going to be open, like 
like what was that like what was going through your mind when you're like we're gonna open this up and then the world just collapses underneath your feet oh it was like this oh goodness bring it on bitches (laughs) (laughs) it was like that i'm not even exaggerating it was like that it was like okay really Really? Okay, you doing this again? Okay, sure, let's see who wins, right? Um, I'm from Russia, bitch. You think this shit's gonna phase me? They ain't even food on our shelves, man. COVID-19 I'm shit. like, I don't really need a toilet paper, guys, as long as we have a water in the house, right? <laughs> I'm like, guys, you all got it wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you know what? It's just, again, it's that muscle in your brain where you go, okay, what is the there for me? How can I benefit? And oh my goodness, how we benefit, I can tell you, I can talk about this, you know, with you for hours and hours. I sent seven teachers to different teachers training during that time. They took classes that they teach now and they certified that they never thought they're going to teach. I inspired them. I showed them their strength. I told them that, have you open mind, you know, try this, try that. So, and you know, it was, it was so simple as, you know, I pick up the phone call and I go, Hey, Milena, do you want to be Infernal Hot Pilates instructor? She goes, yeah, what do I do for that? And I go, okay. So then, you know, then I'm sending a girls to California. They're taking a training. They come back and all behind the scene, all we do is working hard to get teachers to the point when they walk into that room and they stand nice and tall and they deliver hundred percent. So that's how we use that time. You know, um, absolutely. There's, there's not even a single thought in my head that negative about this timing no it's like it was the great time because we were able to train we were able to learn as much as we could and again like I took a training I took two trainings so now I'm keep adding more and more certificates to my professional as well and you know and again like I I was the second person in all Canada to be qualified certified for infernal hot pilates class which is the second second fastest growing fitness in us and right now i believe i'm a fifth person for level two in the whole canada so you know we're the only student in all british columbia who can teach level one and level two. Oh wow so like i'm really proud so tell me you know this COVID thing no like that was awesome you know i took a training online it cost me less money yeah <laughs> you know i didn't have to travel right but it was a great experience so you know it's no it's all how you look at the things it's all how you look at the things uh we are at the limited capacity right now. However, we have a uh, 1,500 square feet large room. We still can have 27 people easily, you know. Our classes start filling in, you know, largest class was 16 people, just, you know, not even a week being open. Aerial is popular. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves Inferno. Body Scalp, you took it, you know, right? So those classes are very popular. So we, you know, it, everything takes time, Right. So there's absolutely no, not even a single negative thought in my head about all this COVID thing. The only thing is, was like packages, packages were missing. I'm like, where's my package? Where's my package? Where's my package? Right. That was the only really hard thing, but everything else, no, it was like, bring it on. Let's, you know, okay. Like if this is what you're doing again, you know, let's do it. (laughs) But again, you know, like that comes back, like you said, it's like, it's flexing that muscle. It's using those tools where like you found the gift in it. Like it, it didn't derail you, but like we've seen that so much. And like, like when like watching your Instagram posts and like seeing you guys online and seeing how you were just forging forward, and there was there wasn't even the same feel like what most people had, where it's like this sorry state of affairs. 
and all these businesses were already open with established clientele, like all these different things. But like you guys are just pushing and plotting all the way through this. But you can see why when you have leadership that has those tools and knows how to flex them and can understand the gift behind the expansion of time. Because like if you look at what COVID-19 allowed us, is it created an expansion of time in our days? Like what you said, you didn't have to travel for this course, gave you more time. Gave you more time to be able to work on the studios. Gave you more time to be able to offer a better service to all your clients coming in. Offer like a better learning opportunity for all of your instructors. Like think of the things that are a better byproduct of having a gift of that time. And it's all because how you personally perceive that. Yes. You know, we always have a choice. You always have a choice. It's, you know, A or B or C. There's always choice. It's whatever you choose, that's where you land. But you always have a choice. When people say, I'm sorry, I didn't have a choice. I go, you know what? I don't believe you. No, that's what you want to believe. But there's always choice. And that's how you choose. Um, I was upset about a couple of things because I was planning my Bali. So I do. Um, I'm also co-founder of uh, Be Free Yoga Retreats. So I plan my retreats all over the world. So that was my first retreat in Bali in April. That's supposed to be and happened. And I was supposed to go to Mexico with the children for um, spring spring break. So I was a little bit upset, you know, that that opportunity was taking away. But then I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to switch fully on a business and I'm going to be just fully present here. Like this is out of my control. There's nothing I can do. And then next year, you know, Bali's already booked for March. You know, we're just going to we're just going to sell it then. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's always a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But it's it's again, it's how you choose and what you choose. So it's all Why comes do down you to that. think that? Because what you, how you just frame that, people connect with it, but the there's more outrage to that style of thinking, like you know, challenging people to be more, challenging people to think differently, challenging people to expand how they perceive the world. Why is that so offensive to people now? Um, why is it so offensive to people here? Why is it so offensive to people here? Um... I don't know. Maybe it's a lack of self-love. You know, um, I, I'm seeing so much of this lately, you know, when people are, they just don't believe in themselves. And people are so, their opinion about themselves is so connected to other people's opinion about them. And that is so wrong, you know, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But people are just afraid, you know, oh, well, what if this person think of me, this and that? Like, I think it's when you know what you represent and what you stand for and, you know, who you are, nothing can steal your peace. Like, if you know that everything you're doing is you're doing it to serve other people. And if you know you're a good person, nobody can take that away from you. You know, I've been in a situation where I've been told that, you know, like a nasty things i've been in the situations where people try to create a lot of fears and put me down and you know what it's okay that's not my problem that's their problem mm -hmm. so i think you need to separate yourself from others and know who you are and when you know fully who you are nothing nothing really matters so um also you know i think our society here they talk a lot about you know, bullying and, you know, and this and rights and, but we don't talk enough about self-love, you know, like what about loving ourselves? You know, what about, um, 
what about even just the learning breathing techniques at school? You know, we all so fortunate we know how to breathe automatically, but we really don't unless we start learning about it and reading about it. You know, that the breathing is the, the only tool for the nervous system, right? It's a lot of power in the way you breathe. So I think, you know, people are just so sensitive because, I don't know, I, you know, like Russia gave me that little bit of the hard ass kind of, you know, I'm a very thick skin, so nothing can steal my peace, you know. Um, and if you try to steal my peace, it's just, I don't know. You're going to go KGB on them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. like I, I learn how to stand up for myself too. So, um, but most of the time, like, again, I use my rule of five, mm. you know. So, but people, uh, I find that, you know, people, um, again, is it is it a right word to use the word sensitive? I think it's the come from the lack of self-love. When you love yourself and you know who you are, you don't care. And and see, like, uh, and I agree that I think it's sensitive, but not in a wholesome way. It's not sensitive exactly. as in like connected, like you said, with like who you are, what what you represent, and like the love you have for yourself. It's sensitive is in like I just want to be offended by everything. Yes, exactly. You know, like there's nothing wrong with being sensitive. In fact, I think being sensitive is takes a lot of courage, mm-hmm. which is even Brenna Brown. She's always said sensitivity is the only way to really openness and live into the fullest. Mm-hmm. So um, I think being sensitive is, you know, but but people being sensitive, they start taking a judgment in the wrong ways. They they start punishing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the sensitive. And they or they start doubt themselves. They start being, you know, afraid of their own potential or and, you know, that's kind of the sensitivity I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I was just trying to think of like the like the proper way to be able to segue into um, allowing people to understand that like a visual component into like what the studio looks like, like walking people through it. Like when you when you walk into the door and like the atmosphere that you guys have there, because I feel that when I'm there, like there's, there's the, the no excuses, but like the very soft, like this is a warm and inviting feel. And I now learning more about you, like I, I see that in your studio. And I think when people come into that, they would understand that, you know, like, like the clean, hard edge, but the soft accent pieces to be able to go with it. Like I really See it even from like your outdoor space with the big Buddha and like the grass where you guys want to have like the classes like outside. Like, I love all those components. Like, it, do you feel like your studio is a, is an authentic reflection of who you are? Like, did was that really just your design, or was that a part of a team? Like, how did how did the design of the studio come about? From Pinterest. Pinterest, <laughs> really? Well, I guess all of those things are an accumulation of like you too, though you have research of you pulled them out. But well, yeah, but it's like I said, you know, it wasn't just a, you know work from February to now, right? It mm. was the work of collecting uh, best experiences because I used to travel, like I'm well, not used to, but I'm, I was traveling all over the world, and every single studio that was there, I will go and visit the studio. So I brought. You know, that studio has a lot of experiences. It wasn't just built, you know, in like from, you know, February to now. It was in my head for many, many years. This is how I wanted it. I had a file on my Pinterest app for years. You know, this is what I do if I had it, right? This is what I will do if I had it. Those are going to be the colors, right? And colors switch a little bit because, you know, uh, your your mind switches. You know, you change, right? Change, changes, change is great. So... 
you know, some things shifted around, some things, you know, switched around. So it's, but it's, it's a vision. It's an absolute, that clear vision. And I remember I was talking to some people and they were like, oh, you know, like, just put this in. And, and I'm like, no, I don't want that part in. They're like, well, then you just want to be like everybody else. And I said, and it's like every other people vision. And I said, no, absolutely not. I go, my vision does not see this piece there. I don't want that piece because my vision is does not have that piece. And I want to stick to my vision. Yeah. So, you know, and you just stay clear to it. And some people are going to get upset and it's okay. It's okay. You know, you're just like, sorry, buddy. I'm really sorry, but you know, that's, that's my vision. Right. And you know, there was a couple of advice from people like, Oh, you should move this here, there. And I go, thank you. Yeah. Smile and nod. <laughs> yeah. I go, thank you. You know, but I, I had this, you know, my, the vision changed as we were building um, and as we were, you know, creating all this community uh, thing, you know, like, uh, taking, you know, I always wanted to do something for kids, right? That's why we're offering free classes under 16 was the paying adults. Um, I always wanted to connect to the children when they're young, you know, because I think in our education, there's a lot of pieces that are missing and I want to give that opportunity for a parents to bring their kid without, you know, worried about paying for the child, you know, and then just bring the kid in, you know, let's have fun together, you know, let's build that, uh, let's build that connection, you know, with the kid. And uh, some people ask me, you know, which is a very good question. They said, um, how are you treating the kids in the classroom? And I said, just like a kid. Yeah. You know, they come in, they love, they fall out of the postures, we laugh together. And I go, in fact, kids bring so much pureness into the room that everybody loves having their kids there. So, you know, those visions, they they weren't just born in one day. They were like, what if I want to do this? You know, can I give it a try? And then, you know, then you kind of bring them together. And then there's a few things that we had to change. Like, I was not planning to teach some classes that we're teaching right now. But universe put me in a position where they're saying, here we go. Why won't you take it? And, you know, when you look at it and I, you know, I, again, I resisted a couple times, but then universe like, no, 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 no. Like here it is like, you know, and then I'm like, okay, let's do it. It's working fabulous so far. Awesome. So again, right. It's a, you know, you, you have to be flexible. Yeah. Like even I had my vision and I saw everything how I wanted to be. I still had that room for flexibility. You know, and that's where I think, you know, we were able to put this, I, I, I personally think in my own eyes, not because we own it or, you know, I'm running it. I think it's the one of the most beautiful places, most beautiful studios I've ever seen. So. And you know why I connect with you saying that is because it's toted your vision. So when you look at that, it's like your vision is actually in practical application. Now you don't look at it as that you've made these couple changes that these other people wanted to make it something they thought was going to be great like you had this vision it was this vision over years and now it's there so it's like this this beacon of like of everything that represents you so you can fully stand behind that and represent what it means yes yes and again and i was flexible enough to let some changes come in when from other people you know if i like what they were saying i'll adopt it you know and and i was very grateful i'm still very and i always say you know this is not just my work this is a teamwork there's a team, you know, of people who stand behind me, who supported me. Even people who did not support me, they, there's always lesson, right? There's always lesson when, you know, when you come in and you say, 
I'm actually opening up my studio and the first thing they say, well, how's that going to benefit me? Mm-hmm. That's the moment, you know, okay, is this person in your circle or this person is not in your circle? There's a lesson in every single thing. So that's how you know who you're surrounded by and who you people are. Absolutely. That's how you know. And and that's kind of what, you know, even the people, they might don't recognize who they are or, you know, but they've been part of this as well. Awesome. Uh, why don't you throw us like some like hard businessy things now, like website URL, um, Instagram, Facebook, all your different social media handles, and um, we'll plug this as much as we can for you to be able to drive some business your way. Okay, so we are www.the-yogabar.com. Um, we are on Google, guys. You can Google us, read our reviews, uh, leave us a review, come and visit us. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, come back and tell us, you know, you listen to VRI. We'll give you 50% off oh, nice. for the drop-in. Uh, bring some friends, bring your kids. It's really important. Uh, follow us on Instagram. It's the, the Yoga Bar White Rock. Uh, Facebook, Yoga Bar. Um, I am my personal account where I'm running all my retreats and I'm posting a lot of inspirational quotes every day. Uh, it's Be Free Yoga Retreats. Uh, what else? What else? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. And yeah, so, and just to be clear, the Yoga Bar White Rock is the first and only the original, the best the yoga bar around no matter what you might find on Google or hear from your friends. This is the OG of the yoga bar studios right here. So um, thank you so much, Oksana. I really appreciate everything that you gave us today. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you, guys. I hope to see you on the mat. 